Hello, I'm Richard Blakely and welcome to this centenary podcast from Brickcourt Chambers. This podcast is one of a series we are producing in collaboration with two social mobility charities with whom we have partnered during our 100th year. Both the Sutton Trust and Inter University work with young people from disadvantaged backgrounds to support them in attaining places at university and beyond. We are working with these charities as part of our desire to assist in making a career at the bar something that is truly open to all, enabling and encouraging the most talented minds to achieve and to enter the profession regardless of background is to the benefit of everyone. In this series, we invite the charity students to sit down with us and give them a chance to ask questions about members of Chambers, about the profession and about the social mobility issues that matter to them. In this episode, you will hear me in conversation with Josiah Senu, a Sutton Trust alum who has negotiated his way through the application process and will be taking up pupillage at a leading set of chambers starting in 2022. Hi Josiah, morning. Morning Richard, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's nice to actually welcome you into chambers. Yeah, it's good to be back. So our, our paths have crossed before. You were meant to be sitting with me as my one of my mini pupils this year. But thanks to COVID, we had to do that all virtually. So it's nice to finally get you get you in the building and meet you in person. For sure. I guess now that I'm, that I'm back, back here in, in person, I, I guess I really, would really love to, to find out more about you and your background and, and what brought you specifically to Chambers and what your journey has been like. So the reason you're talking with me today is that the, the theme of our podcasts and a lot of what we're trying to achieve during our centenary year is, is social mobility. And that is a topic that resonates with me, partly because of my background. So I, I uh, began at a state comprehensive school in uh, quite a deprived part of South Yorkshire. And I applied to, to Cambridge University only because my sixth form college had once upon a time sent a student to, to Fitzwilliam, which is one of the Cambridge colleges, and in consequence ran an open day, or what I think is now... Uh, referred to as an inside day and that I have come to realize over time was a transformative day in my in my life because it was something that showed me that somebody like me somebody from where I came from could be welcome and could uh, could actually apply to Cambridge for sure uh, and that in turn was somewhere where I was able to flourish and has brought me to to where I am today and I, I, I know tracing it back that I wouldn't be in the fortunate position of sitting here talking to you and, and sitting here as a member of this chambers if it had not been for that single open day back in 2001. That's really really powerful and I think a lot of Sutton, Sutton Trust uh, alums feel very much the same way so I guess really the question for, for you Richard then is why do you think it matters that we have things like insight days and bearing in mind your experiences that you've had? Well they're important for two reasons one of course is simply providing information that's that can be hard to get at or is quite difficult to decipher just from websites or, or, or information that's put out there. having a chance to actually talk to people at an institution or in a profession on a, on a personal basis is hugely important in providing genuine and useful information. It's also important in terms of, uh, of representation. If you're able to talk to people whose, uh, whose backgrounds and attitudes resonate with yours, it encourages you to, to see yourself in that role in, in the future. And, and that's something that I talk about a lot with my mentees who rightly raise questions about representation in chambers and across the bar as a whole. They are discouraged by scrolling through 
pages of, of white faces whenever they click on the Chambers link that says, these are our members. And so having the opportunity to, to talk to potential applicants and students on, on a, a small group or a one-to-one basis and just provide you know, more detail and, and talk to them honestly and openly about their concerns is hugely valuable. For sure. So I already mentioned, Desire, that you were supposed to sit as my mini-people earlier in, in this year. just wondered if you could say a little bit about what brought you to my door, really. I guess my journey into law began with the Sutton Trust, attending the Sutton Trust Summer School, being around my peers, uh, studying law at the University of Cambridge, never having gone to a university before, going there for the first time and then seeing the environment, seeing what it was like and believing that it could be a place for me. I remember doing a mock trial uh, sort of as a junior prosecuting counsel, taking up the, the criminal law and uh, and trying to prosecute the defendant. All of that was, was really, really... Really exciting for me. So then it, it began and sparked an interest in wanting to study law at university. And I, I, went, I went off to the LSE. And I guess my experiences at the LSE um, was a bit mixed because on, on one side, I, I really enjoy the academic study. I think I flourished my tutors helped me so much to improve and it was very difficult at first trying to understand what was going on but then on the flip side it it was also a belief as to you know what was I going to do next where was I going to go on to and then you sort of make the decision do I want to be a solicitor or a barrister you take on the experiences uh, and then you realize as you go through um, the chamber's websites a lot of people don't don't look like you and and you ask yourself is this a path for me and I think a lot of people along the way intimated at some point that maybe you know you might want to do something Something else, uh, you know, you come from a disadvantaged background. It's quite difficult for you, um, and it had to be a little bit of persistence to to go forward. So, what most encouraged you to to keep going, as it were, and to and also what encouraged you to to choose the bar in particular? My experiences at the Sutton Trust, my tutors, mentors, people who believe that. Uh, there could be a different pathway, a different future. It was very difficult to believe, even despite hurdles. But I think publishing during my second year while at university, then going on and getting a, an LLM offer at Harvard University, those things instilled a great deal of confidence in my ability. And then it made it just a little bit more real that maybe this pathway um, was one in which uh, I could do, because you, you get a little bit of imposter syndrome as to whether or not you're academically capable or you're not your background stops you. Well, believe me, that never goes away. <laughs> I, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to to learn a lot. We recently had a policy festival at the Sutton Trust, and where we sort of surveyed um, our alumni community, and we found that 71% of our alumni think that university is a good route to employment after school or college. Yet, two thirds feel that the university admissions processes favours those from privileged backgrounds, um, and they feel that about 65% feels the education system doesn't adequately support those from disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah, and those concerns are completely justified. There is a, a real sense in which the you know, the invisible knapsack of privilege helps those from advantage backgrounds with uh, simply by being able to talk to more family members who have been to universities or who have friends and, uh, and know people in the professions. They have access to this pool of information that a lot of disadvantaged and underprivileged applicants don't. And that, and that provides, firstly, a, a, some form of leg up but it also discourages the talented applicants who feel like they are at a disadvantage. And uh, that's why it's important for us to sit down today and talk about particular things that you wish you'd known, perhaps back when you were doing your A-levels or just starting at university, uh, that you might know now, but you wish you'd known then. 
No, absolutely. So and I've got a couple of questions, actually. Um, but let, let's tackle the first, which is, I guess, Richard, do I need to choose particular A-levels to become a barrister? So this is a question we get quite a lot from students, and the answer is no. There's no specific set of subjects that we look for at A-level level or at all. And we have members of chambers who study exclusively sciences or exclusively humanities or, or a mixture. I mean, for my part, uh, I did English, French, history, maths, not very well, and uh, general studies. Um, the best thing you can really do is think about the subjects you enjoy, and in particular, the skills that you enjoy developing and applying. So for me, I loved history. I liked the source work. I liked reading different accounts of the same event with different perspectives and different biases and, and trying to work out what really happened and why that mattered. And that is a huge part of, of what we do. A huge part of our job is distilling what is reliable and truthful from different sources of evidence and trying to work out what actually happened. And I would make the same point in, into university as well. Although most of us in Chambers studied law as undergraduates, there are loads of members of Chambers who didn't. We have economists and scientists and classicists, historians, uh, and a real variety. So a, a career at the bar is something that is open to you, whatever you want to study at university. No, that's really, really good to know. So then would you say that there is any good work experience that you need to become a barrister? To me, I'd say that there are really two sides to work experience. One is to help you understand whether you want to do something. And the other is to help you develop skills and experience that improve you as a candidate and, and make you a better applicant, more likely to, 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 to get the job you're after. So in, in the first category are things like law firm vacation schemes and what we call mini pupillages, which are short stints in chambers to, to get a feel of it and, and maybe do some work as part of the assessment process. There's also free experience out there. You can just go and sit in a courtroom and, and, and attend a public hearing, at least pre and hopefully post uh, pandemic. But also look more broadly because part of figuring out what you want to do is figuring out what you don't want to do. And ultimately, the end goal is to have a genuine thought through answer to the question, why do you want to be a lawyer? Why do you want to be a barrister? Why do you want to be a commercial barrister? And why do you want to apply to, to this set of chambers? And having a, a, genuine, a genuinely held answer to that is hugely important, not only for you to make sure you're taking the right step, but also so that we have confidence in, in, in you as an applicant. And I think I'd say something quite similar in respect of the second category, developing skills. I'd encourage uh, students to think more broadly about what constitutes relevant work and life experience. So that's a discussion I was having with one of my mentees recently. She's considering a career in law, but uh, is convinced she doesn't have any relevant work experience and finds that very off-putting. And it's hard for her to get work experience because she is supporting herself while at university and works as a teaching assistant at a school for special needs kids that largely have Arabic as their first language. So for me as a recruiter though, that's amazing work experience that I want to hear about. Every day she's working on her communication skills in a difficult environment. She's tailoring information to the particular needs of her audience, which is a huge part of our job. You've got to teach the court what the case is about before you can persuade the court that your, your way is the right one. She's engaged in conflict resolution between students and with parents and dealing with people from a variety of backgrounds in a variety of circumstances. Now, for me, that's absolute gold. And I want someone with those skills far more than I want someone who has happens to have done 20 mini pupillages 
and can recite the names of all the different chambers off by heart backwards and standing on the head. <laughs> no, that's that's really useful to know actually, and uh, for me that 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 really speaks a lot to uh, what I guess uh, alums and and people from disadvantaged backgrounds can do. Well, I think it's right that you, you work to support yourself through university and you'll know it's hard to add to that, to the CV at the same time. No, for sure. It's, in, it's incredibly difficult. You're spinning lots and lots of plates. It's quite hard. But w what I want to say to, to applicants in a similar position is don't be discouraged by that. Don't think I I'm at a huge disadvantage because I can't add to my CV with things that look like legal experience. Think about the skills that you have and that you are developing uh, in the experience you have and how that can be used to evidence why you're a good applicant. No, for sure. Because it's those skills that we're after at the end of the day. No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So I guess then if you're not doing work experience or you're not seeking out for other jobs, what can you do while you're at university? And what would you say are good extracurriculars that you can take part in to demonstrate that you've got those skills? I mean, the first thing I'd say is do something you enjoy because university is amazing. It's a long old life and you don't get those years again so go and kick a football or sing in a choir or try improv or campaign for something you believe in uh, then beyond that same sort of thing think about the skills you can develop so a huge part of our job is oral advocacy there are if you're a, a law student or a non-law student there's, there's mooting uh, your your university law society will have a, a, a mooting society and will run competitions get involved in that see if it's for you there's debating. If, if you're not a law student, we'd rather develop your presentational skills and your speaking skills in, in a different environment. Beyond that, though, just think about what skills you are developing and deploying, whatever it is you do. Is it teamworking, working with others? Is it dispute resolution? Is it organisational? Everything you do can be relevant. You just have to conceptualise it in a different way and think about the skills that make you a good applicant. Wow, that, I mean, that's really heartening because it, what it tells me and I hope a lot of other students in a similar position is do things that you really enjoy. And that's what that's what all will hopefully make you an employable individual if that's what you're looking for. I, I think I think I'd say even more than that is that you you are an employable individual. What I need from you as a recruiter is the, the evidence of that. So when you come into an interview, if you can sit down and say, I have this skill set because, and point to your real world, real life experience, that's what we want to see. And that is, that is much more than just a list of vacation schemes or a list of uh, mini pupillages. And, and I guess when, if, if you, you are able to share experiences with people from um, similar backgrounds or who have an intimation and understanding of how you feel, why you're feeling in this way, and that that feeling is very natural. It's helpful as you're progressing through the journey, and it's much more difficult to have that when you don't see those faces, when the representation doesn't exist, because then you feel a little bit like an alien, and you know, you're walking onto this new planet and everyone's looking at you, and they're asking themselves a question, are you, are you really good enough? Are you sure you're meant to be here? And I, I think initiatives like this, the, this, type, this type of podcast um, really will hopefully shed a light and uh, a spotlight, a really important spotlight on uh, the really tough issues that um, students like me, people like me from my background face, um, but hopefully also serve as, I think, a symbol of what can be achieved in the future. Yeah, it's, it's, it's small steps, but every little we can do to make you believe the nice things that people are saying to you and that uh, this is a pathway that is, that is genuinely open.
know for sure. I think there's a lot of fake it till you make it. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you feel. I'm still faking it every day. <laughs> We're well, doing a pretty good job. We're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> you can find out more about our partners for this podcast, the Sutton Trust, at their website, www.suttontrust.com, and about Inter University at www.intouniversity.org. There are more podcasts featuring current and past members of Brickcourt Chambers and more information about our centenary year and applying for pupillage on our website at brickcourt.co.uk. Thanks for listening.